Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys, and welcome to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, August 12, 2021. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week. Let's get right into it. No time to waste here today as we have an exclusive interview with the current Raw Women's Champion, Nikki Ash, talking all about her Raw Women's Championship win, winning Money in the Bank, her current reign, the character, the whole superhero shtick, and everything else along with it. And then right after that, we have my conversation with a returning John Ritland for the first time here on the show in over a year. RJ couldn't make it here today. I look forward to discussing everything you know going on in the world of wrestling with him uh, next week here on the show. But John is here today to help me break down the latest round of releases, and there are some shocking names in that mix uh, from NXT from last week. So without further ado, let's welcome out of this time the current Raw Women's Champion, Nikki Ash. Hey, Nikki, how are you? I'm good, Graham. How are you today? Doing excellent, doing excellent. Congrats on your win over Charlotte on Monday night. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And going into SummerSlam in just a couple of weeks now, I mean, it's crazy because you were on the SummerSlam pre-show just two years ago, right? And this is going to be your first match on the main card? Yes. Yes. So two years ago, it was myself and Alexa Bliss versus the Iconics for the Women's Tag Team Championships. Mm -hmm. And yes, yes. So this is my first year on the main, um, on the, on the, on the card. So I'm, I'm so excited. I'm excited to go to, you know, Las Vegas and we're, you know, SummerSlam, Saturday, August 21st. And I think it's just going to be absolutely amazing. I'm so excited. <laughs> no, I'm sure, especially in front of what's it going to be? 60,000 people, something along those lines. So it's going to be an amazing experience, oh. I'm sure. But um, especially against two, you know, superstars, the caliber of Charlotte Flair and uh, Rhea Ripley as well. So how do you prepare for a match like this? It's, it's two different opponents. It's, you know, a different type of situation. What are your thoughts going in this match at SummerSlam? You know, going into this match at SummerSlam, you to your you've just said, you know, Charlotte, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. You know, they've they are two very powerful women. You know, and I'm I know I'm going in as the kind of underdog and the, the smaller, you know, the smaller competitor. So I think when you're smaller, you have to kind of rely on more like speed and techniques and um, certain technical moves and. You know, for, for me, like, I've been working a lot on, like, quick pinning combinations, you know, because, you know, you are, when you are a smaller competitor, you do have to think about these things. You know, I'm not quite a superhero yet. I'm almost a superhero, so I don't actually have super strength yet, you know. So, for me, going into this match, it's, it's um, you know, making sure my different quick pinning combinations are, you know, as, as tight as they can be and, you know, just uh, working a lot on, like, speed and agility. Basically, you know, like the way, you know, Black Widow prepares for, for uh, um, you know, the the kind of, because I was really inspired by a lot of the things she does, because she does a lot of hurricane runners and head scissors into different things. So kind of been inspired by that and just trying different things with that. Actually, going right off of that, I was going to ask you a little bit later, but I might as well ask you now. You saw Black Widow, you said you were inspired by a lot of what she did in the movie. Give me your thoughts in the movie, and I think the timing of it was just perfect with kind of like the debut of the Nikki Ash character and uh, the movie coming out. So talk a little bit about you seeing the movie and what your thoughts on it were. Oh, I thought I thought the movie was, was incredible. I've always loved Black Widow ever since, um, you know, the, the I'm a massive fan of Marvel and the mm-hmm. MCU movies. So Black Widow was, you know, always one of my favorites. Um from the first Avengers movie and then the Age of Ultron and then you had Endgame and then Infinity War, Endgame and then the Black Widow movie and then she was also in the Iron Man movies as well. So I I, I loved it. I thought the movie was great. Um, I really enjoyed it. And pretty much, uh, you know, I was kind of saying this earlier, like everything, anything Marvel and DC related and superhero related, like I'm uh, obviously a big, big fan of and, <laughs> and I really love it because I, I would always... um 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer too, actually. She would always, like, you always saw wrestling moves and that. She would do, like, a kip-up in the Hurricane Rana. So I guess Buffy the Vampire Slayer is another favourite superhero of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's always important to just be, you know, just in- inspirations from all different sources. Yeah. And, and you mentioned too, how you were a fan of both Marvel and DC and inspired by a lot of the characters in both universes. So does that mean you're going to be seeing Suicide Squad when it comes out this coming weekend at some point? Oh, a hundred percent. Definitely. <laughs> I would have did bought my tickets. <laughs> oh man. It's going to be a great movie too. And you got to go support Big Mads John because obviously he's playing Peacemaker in the movie. So it's going to be great. Oh, but, of course. Yeah. It's going to be. We, actually, we, watched the first one. we watched the first one we watched the first one last week mm-hmm. and then I think we're going to try and watch Birds of Prey tonight or tomorrow. Like we watched that as well. So that we're all ready. But yeah, <laughs> I would have, we would have bought our tickets or we're, we're excited. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. You got to catch up. That's actually a great idea to watch the uh, first one back before this one comes out. But actually kind of going off of that, are you able to get any superhero advice from people that play superheroes like a John Cena or a Dave Batista, or I know the rock's going to be playing, you know, black Adam in a couple of years. Can you get any advice or have you gotten any advice from those guys as far as how to portray a superhero or almost be a superhero rather? So, um, you know, the, I've actually been lucky enough to be able to pick the brain of the hurricane. You know, Shane Helms has been absolutely amazing. Um, he's been so supportive and mm-hmm. so helpful and um, just really, like, giving me, like, some great, like, some, just some great advice. And, you know, when I first debuted the character and when I when I won the, the, the Royal Women's Championship, you know, I came through Gorilla and one of the first people I've seen was the hurricane um so i've been lucky enough to get some great advice off him and you know it's i just feel very um just grateful to be able to pick his to pick his brain yeah and he's obviously a great influence as well uh, might and molly being another one and everyone else that's come before you in, in wwe as far as the superheroes are concerned and you mentioned earlier obviously you're nikki ash almost a superhero you don't have quite that you know that strength that super strength that you mentioned earlier what what is that next step in making you a superhero what will it take to get you to nikki sh uh superhero so to speak so the almost superhero that comes from the that kind of more comes from for, so for me, Nikki A.S.H. has the same moral compass as a superhero. But when you think of Captain America, when you think of Steve Rogers, mm-hmm. you know, he was already standing up to bullies before he got the super serum. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Iron Man, when you take away his suit, is still this, you know, absolute genius. So in, but Black Widow doesn't have any, you know, she doesn't have any powers, but she's one of the best trained fighters in the and on the planet you know so for me like the nikki ash it's more the the the, the way the way i view it is i have the same moral compass and the same drive the same hope the same persistence as a superhero but obviously you know i'm not i don't have super serum or a magical ring or you know like something like the iron man suit you know but the idea that you put on the cape and the mask and you feel like you can try anything and if you fall down, that's okay because you're going to pick yourself up because that's life. So for me, like that's what almost a superhero means. It means I don't have the super serum or super strength or I can't fly. I don't have super speed, you know, not without coffee anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't have any of those things, but I've got the same heart and desire and, you know, the belief in people being good that all the other superheroes have, you know. Like I said, Kat, Steve Rogers was was he had so much um he had so much heart and compassion before he took the super serum. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Rogers. No, that's a great comparison. I think that's a great way to kind of a, a great example to use. Um, and, and with that being said, too, is it watching movies like the first Captain America and, and stuff like that that allows you to help you per, uh, practice being a superhero? Like, how do you kind of go about practicing being a superhero? <laughs> so, you know, the, the first thing first, you know, you, you want to try and fly, mm-hmm. you know, and you start with start jumping off a small ball, like a tiny little, <laughs> you know little uh you know the bottom the bottom stair no um for me i get really really inspired by superhero movies you know spider-man was another big influence for me um supergirl on cw um as you know i absolutely love and adore that show and there's actually so much of that that represents um what nikki ash believes in so i'm super super inspired by a lot of these movies and tv shows 
and for for me, um, that just I, I think you know the way I think we can just draw inspiration from so many different things, and for me, it just happens. It, you know, it's it's these movies and TV shows. Yeah, no, most definitely. And there's so much of it nowadays too, between the movies and the shows. I mean, there's they're everywhere. Netflix, you know, everything on, on networks yeah. and stuff like that. You know. It, yeah, and I think what's great, you know, WWE, we're about, you know, we're, we're about connecting people. You know, families come to our shows. Like, we, you know, there's so many um, there's so many ways WWE connects people, and superheroes do the same. So for me, combining WWE and combining that with superhero and putting them together is just, it's, it's, it's a huge honour, you know. And, mm-hmm. and um, being able to connect with our with our audience in particular, you know, hopefully the younger audience as well. Like it's a, it's a big responsibility and like, I'm, I'm honored to be able to play this. Yeah. I mean, and kind of going off that too, the timing was interesting because around the time that you started doing Nikki ASH and um, you kind of debuted or re-debuted, what have you, it was right before fans returned. So it was still during the Thunderdome era, a couple of weeks before money in the bank. When you pitch an idea like this, cause then I've talked about how this was your idea and you kind of came up with it and whatever um, with a process like this going into it, do you have this idea that, okay, there might be a segment of the audience that doesn't like it, like an older male demographic, or it might be tailored towards kids. Are you kind of ready for, for the potential backlash going into like fans returning and stuff like that? Are you not really worrying about that too much? For me, the, for me, the connect, the, the connection with the, the fans, it's, I, the, the one of the most important things is our connection with the fans. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love, I love exploring. I love exploring that connection and I'm excited to be in front of live fans again and I can't you know being at our live events again leading up to SummerSlam you know we've got that you know SummerSlam Las Vegas on Saturday August 21st and the Legion Stadium you know there's live events every weekend you know and it's just for me it's like I'm so excited by that connection and for me like I've seen so much positivity and joy like I've mm-hmm. seen you know the, the, the fan art I've, I pretty much share on a daily basis on my Twitter and on my Instagram um, an outpouring of love and you know messages from everyone so for me like that's what I'm, I'm inspired by that I feel empowered by that um, and for me like I, I'm just so excited and for us it's, the connection is the most important thing and, and I'm ex- like I'm looking forward to exploding that and, um, and for people to see this character and become invested in it and for, for me that that's the, that's, the, that's what I'm focusing on and thinking about mm-hmm. no yeah it makes sense too especially coming off the last couple of appearances i mean in the first show with fans you win the money in the bank briefcase the very next night you become raw women's champion this past week you beat charlotte flair in the main event of raw uh very receptive the, the chicago crowd went wild for it when you get a reaction like that that's mostly positive are you like surprised by it are you expecting it uh how long does that kind of take for you to kind of sink in type of thing so for me, I mean, that, that the whole thing you just said, the whole thing you just described, like <laughs> money in the bank, you know, winning that in Texas, <laughs> uh, you know, the ladder match, and then, and then you know, cashing in the next night. It's been a world one. Um, and it's been an amazing world one. And I, it almost feels like a dream that I don't want someone to wake me up from. And it's so, you know, it's, it's funny because we did the ladder match and I, I run up the ramp and I climb up the ladder and I'm celebrating and I've just got all these like, memories and just all the all the everything over the last 13 years and I just I look at the briefcase for the contract and I you know I start crying just happy tears and then the next night when I cash in and win the Raw Women's Championship it was just utter like jubilation and triumph like there was there was no there was no tears at that point you know and I ran out you know celebrating with with the fans I was so excited to be in front of and it's just been a whirlwind and I, I like that that's the, the best way I best way that's the best way I can describe it. Um, for me, I'm just I'm enjoying I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this this wave of momentum and I you know this wave of momentum and it's taken me to SummerSlam in a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship where I will be defending my Raw Women's Championship. So I'm I'm on cloud nine. <laughs> 
No, I'm, I'm sure, especially going to a match like that, too. Again, like we said earlier, Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, two of the guys, uh, top of their game right now, also on the Raw roster. So it's going to be a really good triple threat match. But kind of go back to the ladder match for a quick second. Talk about that and how crazy, I mean, you haven't been in many ladder matches, if any at all, prior to that one. So what was your experience going into Money in the Bank? I mean, obviously, you're almost a superhero now, so jumping off a ladder wouldn't be that big of a deal for you specifically. But talk to me a little bit about that and uh, how crazy it was to be the top of the ladder holding the briefcase. And as you just mentioned kind of the emotions you were feeling and stuff like that but th- this was my second money in the bank match and it was probably my third ladder match because mm-hmm. actually i did a ladder match back in scotland about eight eight or nine years ago so this mm-hmm. was my third ladder match second money in the bank match so you know i kind of had a little idea what to expect from being in the money in the bank match uh two years ago 2000 and 2019 um so for me, like you never like ladder matches, like you know you you want you want it to be you want to be innovative, you want it to be you know creative, you want to be the one to climb that ladder and grab the contract, you want it to be exciting, you want to you want to steal the show, like you have all these emotions going through you as a performer, mm-hmm. um, and you know but you also know that you, you know it's a high risk match, so it does seem perfect for almost a superhero. Uh, you know, and the, the beauty about being almost a superhero is I, I can I can't quite fly yet. You know, there was a, a moment in the a match where I was flying for a few seconds, you know, and then you, you're back to the ground again. You know, so with these ladder matches, you know, it is a high high risk environment, and I think that just shows you the stakes are high and what people are. You know, the it speaks a lot to the competitors in the match how much they want to steal the show and how much they want to be the ones to grab the contract. It shows the level of competition in our women's division. And, you know, we, you know, we, I think we created something every year. We, we create, we create something special and do things that haven't been done before in the previous Money in the Bank ladder matches. So I'm, I'm proud of myself and I'm proud of the women's division and I'm proud of every single competitor in that match. And afterwards, um, I did a, promo for WWE Digital and I'd kind of said I was like you know this Money in the Bank contract represents the women who have fought for this contract the women who you know from the generation before me didn't have this opportunity to compete for this contract so and it represents like my own journey um so it, it meant a lot they've been you know winning the Money in the Bank contract really meant a lot to me and it led me to become the Raw Women's Champion. Yeah, just the very next night, too. It didn't take too long for you to cash that in. So you mentioned earlier that it was a whirlwind, you know, cashing in the contract or winning money in the bank, becoming Raw Women's Champion the next night. And kind of on a broader scale, too, your overall WWE career, you've been here for five, six years now, including your time in NXT. Is it wild to think about being the Raw Women's Champion now, going into SummerSlam, walking in as Raw Women's Champion when you were in NXT? You went for the NXT Women's title a couple of times. You were never able to hold it, Um, you know, being a former Women's Tag Team Champion as well. So you've had success on the main roster but is it crazy to think about you and Bianca both Bianca was never NXT women's champion so is it crazy to think about how you're now the raw women's champion despite never holding that NXT women's title just a few years ago and how much has changed since then with you it's, I love I love looking back on the last five years and I was incredibly fortunate to be involved in these these awesome stories in NXT and mm-hmm. the last woman the last woman standing match with Asuka's but still, you know, that's still the match that I'm most proud of in my career. Um, so for me, it's like I was so fortunate to be a part of what I was a part of in NXT. And, um, and, and you know, it was funny because I thought, you know, Bianca SmackDown Women's Champion and someone someone on Instagram had shared a photo of me and Bianca and our matches from NXT. And mm-hmm. it is really cool to think about. And you are like, you know, it's been such an incredible journey for both of us and I'm over the moon for Bianca, you know, SmackDown Women's Champion. Um, you know, so for me, I I think everything just happens for a reason. So when I look back on the last five and a half years, everything has like prepared me for this moment. Um, you know, I'm ready to I'm ready to represent the company in this in this way. And I feel honored and privileged to to hold this World Women's Championship. Um, I'm ready for it. And I think that everything over the last five, six years has prepared me for that in some, in some way, in some small way, in every single way. So NXT, I, I look back on that and I'm just, I'm so grateful for my time there. 
For sure. And it was a great run. And like you said, that last woman's standing match was just fantastic. Uh, last question for you, Nikki, going forward you. and already you've kind of mixed it up with, you know, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. We got the triple threat match at SummerSlam Allegiant Stadium in a couple of weeks beyond them. And obviously the match with Alexa Bliss, which, you know, is inevitable. I mean, superhero, supervillain, it just makes a lot of sense to do. And that's got to be inevitable. Beyond them, are there any women from Raw, SmackDown, NXT, even NXT UK that stand out to you as being a big match that you want to have at some point over that raw women's championship that you really want to make happen? Oh, for, for me, we, we have NXT, NXT UK, Raw, SmackDown. We have so many female superstars that mm-hmm. I, as a almost superhero, as a raw women's championship champion, I want to be, I'll be a fighting champion. I will defend my championship against, you know, anyone and everyone. Uh, personally, you know, there's so, I'd love to mix it up with, uh, you know, Mia, Mia Yam, I would love to mix it up with Tamina. You know, one of my favourite matches of my career was uh, a live event that me and Tamina had in San Diego a couple of years ago. So I'd love to mix it up with Tamina. I'd love to mix it up with Naomi, you know, Liv Morgan. There's so many women that I would just love to do something with. And also on Raw, you know, we have Eva Marie and, and Dewdrop. And it's like, you know, I know Dewdrop from you know, in Scotland and that, you know, that would be an amazing moment getting to getting to, to fight against her. You know, we both went to the same wrestling school in Scotland and we've had the same, you know, this 13 year journey, but they've both been very, very different journeys. And it's just, I would love, you know, me and Dewdrop, I would love to do that match. And, you know, then you add in, the, and then add in the X Factor, the Eva Marie and their partnership. And it's like, that would be, I would love that. Um, you know, so that, that, and then you've got, you know, Naya and Shayna, you know, and Shayna, you know, with the, the you know, we, we had we had the story in NXT. And I think that the Shayna Baszler would be another perfect opponent for the Nikki ASH character, you know, the superhero character. You know, there's super villains. Every, every hero needs a villain, you know. Absolutely. And hopefully at some point we get to see those matches. I think the Dewdrop one specifically would be a lot of fun to see. But obviously before then, SummerSlam, August 21st, Legion Stadium, you, Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship. People can also catch you every Monday night, USN Network, Monday Night Raw, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Nikki, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. Best luck going forward. Congrats on all the success. Enjoy Suicide Squad this weekend as well. <laughs> thank you so much i hope you get to see it too and you enjoy it as well thanks to nikki for the time could not have been nicer as you guys know probably from listening here to the show i'm not a big fan of the whole superhero character but she is really cool to talk to she kind of made a believer out of me at certain points so we'll talk more about the whole nikki ash experiment next week here on the show with mr marceau but before then we got john ritland here on the show at reborn again on the twitter machine to help me break down the latest round of releases from nxt john what's going on man it's been over almost a year since the last time I talked to you, right? It's been a long time. It is, uh, Money in the Bank 2020, I think, was the last time I was on the show. Money in the Bank 2020? Are you serious? I think so. Remember, like, I, I think it was it was around that or just after that or something like that. I, I it, the last 18 months have blended together and been a malaise <laughs> and it's just insane. So I don't know if anybody will really, I, I don't, I, somebody else that could go through the archives and figure out, I mean, God damn, I've done like 1300 of my own videos. So it's like, I don't even know what, I don't even know what day it is anymore. When you sent me that, I go, God, we're already in August. This year's already passed. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, but that being said, though, we've been trying to work this out for a while. It doesn't feel like it's been a year. It honestly feels like it's been five years since I last talked to you over the phone. And obviously, we DM and we tweet each other a lot. So we, we're in constant contact, but I haven't had you here on the show in quite a while. And uh, you were asking about it. Everyone wanted to get you on and RJ to pull out at the last minute. So I thought this week would be as good of a week as any, especially after we tweeted back and forth about it last week about the releases. And you had tweeted me saying if you you wanted to discuss it just to let you know. And I think the timing worked out perfectly because I think that's one of the first things that we can discuss here. I mean, the list, there's been so many people. Somebody put up a list of the releases since April of last year. Yep. And they brought some people back, and there were some people that were inevitably going to be released because they were either signed to too big a contracts or whatever. And nothing against the vast majority of the people on the on you know on the list. One that disappointed me was Ari, Ari Sterling, who is Alex Zane. Yeah, it, was he a West Coast guy? Did he get a, kind of get a start where that indie scene is? The, the shows that you go to. 
he was at the first ever show for a promotion called Without a Cause, and then he gained viral sensation wrestling uh, in some various other ones. I, I think he's from the South. I think he's oh, from okay. Kentucky. I don't. I don't quite remember. But um, but I saw him, and I was like, okay, cool. And then I saw him a number of months later, and he had you know the color, the more colorful hair and stuff like that. And I yep. was like, and he was in good shape before. But when I saw him, I go, holy shit, it's the same guy. And I was so happy for him. And they put him on 205 Live. He had one match on NXT, and that was it. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, so th- there's a lot of takes that you can have about these releases. We'll break down each of them. And I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if you would agree, but I, I've seen a lot of people say, like, firing people is part of the process. The amount of people they've let go is ridiculous, obviously. To me, and I discussed this yesterday in my own Q&A video, but... It's the people that they released, specifically this time around, that really frustrated me. And it was that one specifically that not a lot of people are talking about Ari Sterling because, you know, not a lot of people watch 205 Live. I totally understand. The show fell apart four or five years ago. I totally get it. But, like, he's a guy that's been on there who's been consistently killing it. Like you said, was on NXT for a cup of coffee, made maybe one or two appearances, if that. And he, then got he got beat cut. up by Cameron Grimes, I think, in that backstage thing one time. Yeah, so, I yeah. I he lost to Cameron Grimes. Yeah, exactly. So I think he interacted yeah. with Grimes one time, and then that was really about it. The one that really that that one really bothered me more than most of the others, aside from Reed, which we'll get to, which that was also fucking dumb. That one bothered me because when you look at how the fact that they signed him less than a year ago, dude. I mean, what do you think the process is there in, in letting a guy like that go when they probably have people on the payroll who are they're paying just as much, if not less than him or more than him or whatever, that are you know more expendable or whatever? They didn't let them go, but they let him go, even though they just hired him six months ago and he hasn't really had the chance to really do anything yet. That's what I don't understand. I honestly think it's a Nick Khan thing. It's a, you and I have talked about this. Other You speculate. I've speculated. It's a sale. That's what they're going to do. It's got to so be. They're trying yeah, to trim absolutely. anybody up. That they, they probably see two hundred five live as a dead brand. But let's be perfectly honest. Once Ali and Murphy had that balls count anywhere or anything goes match or whatever the stipulation was, July, early July of twenty eighteen. You know, terrific fucking match. Great. Oh, fantastic match. match. One of the best in the show's history. Yeah. But my point is, is from there. It seemed like it kind of, you know, eh, fell off the map a little more, a little more, a little more. Uh, myself and Chris, we stopped reviewing it um, after a while. He would review it if he wanted to, and because they would have NXT and 205 Live. And then they, you know, and then eventually it just got to the point where it's just like it was stuck there. It was like WWE superstars. Only, only not as, nearly as, um, nearly as popular because superstars actually had ratings. But mm-hmm. I just think with a guy like... Alex Zane, I'm just going to call him that. He is going. He was in New Japan Strong. He was on New Japan Strong programming for a bit before he went. He got signed uh, with WWE. And okay. He's still making his indie appearances, so he's got options. AEW, sure. I mean, and as you said, not everybody can go to AEW. I don't know about the NWA because I don't know if anybody would want to go to the NWA <laughs> at this point. Um, but. Yeah, Ring of Honor. He could he he could do good in Ring of Honor. He was actually. It's funny you mention that. And I've I've watched Ring of Honor consistently for a few years now. He was actually doing stuff with Ring of Honor before the pandemic last year. That I don't was know. He? Oh, good. Yeah, I don't, he did a couple of matches for them. Then Ring of Honor shut down due to the pandemic. I didn't see him right. again until they signed. I I even heard at that point that WWE was interested in signing him like early 2020. And then everything went to shit. Um, yeah. So, but the, but the whole thing is, why fucking hire? Them? It's not like they hired him before the pandemic. Then the pandemic happened. Oh, we got to cut costs, which is bullshit because we obviously know this company is more money than any other promotion out there. They, they, more they money than the federal to... government at this point. Exactly. It's ridiculous the amount of people they've been hoarding and now they're letting go, and they don't have to be letting people go, especially people that are as talented as he is. But they hired this guy during the pandemic, and now they let go of him less than. Less than a year later, six, seven months later, he had a match with the Cruiserweight Champion on Friday night's 205 Live. I mean, like you said, let's talk about this real briefly. 205 Live, you said it's a dead brand. The fact that they're still airing it is probably an international rights thing. But at what point, as someone who is, you know, I don't don't know how closely you followed it in recent years, was that really the point where you felt, okay, this is it for 205 Live. Once Murphy, Ali, Alexander as well left 205 Live, that was it for the show? Or was it when Enzo became champion four years ago? Or at what point did you see the death of 205 Live really happening? I mean, Enzo being champion pretty much would have done it right (laughs) there. It it killed the credibility of the championship. It did not kill the credibility of the 
of the brand itself because there were many talented people there. Many talented people. Many people didn't know exactly what they're doing there. And I mean, there's even talented people on the show now. Yep. But they just, they don't, whenever they try to do something like, we oh, we need to have, you know, we, we need to get these high-flying, cruiserweight, flippy shit guys here. But we're going to put them in a death slot on Friday when nobody's going to watch. It is on Fridays, right? I actually trying to remember. Yes, it is. I think is. it's on Friday. Yep. <laughs> Let's do that after people have watched SmackDown. Let's do all that. Let's get that crap done, and let's just put content out. But let's just have them go out and have matches with almost no real story. Mm-hmm. And that's th- that was the problem that WCW had with the Cruiserweights. And it eventually got to the point where you can't do any... You can't just have matches for the sake of matches and not give them something to do. Yeah, I not just don't understand. A, something substantial yeah and it's 205 live to me has been dead for about three years but it especially started to falter with enzo as champion because having a heel entertaining champion would be fine if he was actually entertaining yeah i think he couldn't wrestle yeah enzo had his strengths in certain regards i mean i enjoyed the tag team with it with Cass. i was always a big fan of them I thought it was sure. a dumb move to put the belt on him, especially you got to remember too. At that point, that was when the, the the you know the rumors and reports were going around that the guy had a lot of heat. He was getting kicked off of buses and shit, and he just was having terrible matches on TV. He couldn't have a fucking good match with a you know with with anyone in that division for the most part. And then the whole shit went down the way that it did, and he got let go and whatever. Um, but I mean, you can even argue they were hampering that that division from the get go with the whole purple you know ropes thing on Raw. <laughs> I mean, this, this, I mean, I think the Cruiserweight division never even stood a chance from the, from the moment they brought it back in 2016. I think they were really doing it a disservice as soon as the CWC ended. Well, when they couldn't sign Kota Ibushi or Zack Sabre Jr., which, oh, God forbid, imagine they Oh, my that. God. Could you imagine? Um, Holy shit. They, when they couldn't sign them, the alternate was, you know, TJP, which, okay, you know, and TJP was fine mm-hmm. as a guy that could chase the championship. He wasn't fine as the guy holding the championship. He only held it for what, like six weeks? Oh, I was there when he lost it. Yeah, it was like a month later he lost it to Brian Kendrick, who also lost it a month later to Albert Swan. Yeah, and I mean, well, then then it just got to the point where the whole damn thing was snake bit. Everything was just beaded, you know, all this. It, just, it got to the point where just nobody... Anybody that held the championship, even if they held it for a while, when Cedric, Rich Swan held it for a bit, and then what, Neville beat him? Yeah, Neville, Neville beat, him, beat right? yes, yes, he beat him, and then Neville held it for a little while. He held it for, yeah. like, a number of months, so, and he, he was, like, yeah. the best thing to happen to that show when he held it, but, it, like you said, I think, you, I think you put it perfectly when you said it was, like, a snake bitten show. I mean, it was one thing after another. The Enzo shit happened, Neville quit. Uh, Austin Aries was on the show for a while, and that whole thing went down. The Rich Swan situation. Yeah, yeah, him. It, when he started to get hot again, he got fired, and oh my god, it was just. And then they it, fired yeah. TJP a few years ago. It, it just never. A, a Tommy never really took off the way that they thought he would. I mean, you can name many other people. Kalisto, they tried with that, never really took off. They just fired him recently. Uh, Leon like Rush he did or, good lucha things, Graham. <laughs> oh my good. god. Leo Ruff, or Leo Ruff. I said it's Leo Rush and Leon Ruff, two different people. The names sound very familiar. I always fuck it up. But Leo Rush, they also tried with for a time, and they cut him about a year ago as well. So, um, yeah, I think Leo in, in a was nutshell, great as a heel manager. It's not that he couldn't work, but I never, I never believed him in a WWE ring. Okay, like I would have when he wrestled on New Japan Strong or something like that. His style suits more outside of WWE. His mic work, Leo's easy to dislike. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying Leo's bad, but, but it was a snake bit show. It definitely was. I mean, they and just, Alex, Z- Alex go ahead, Zane was great. No, Alex Zane was great. He, yeah. he was great yeah. to wrap that around. Yeah, he he's not going to have any issues finding work wherever he goes next. Like I said, go back to Ring of Honor or probably do something in New Japan. I would have to imagine when the. Uh, Travel restrictions ease up and whatnot, um, but yeah, well, they I mean, have he, their U.S. brand. He was actually working in their U.S. brand. Yeah, you said for strong, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'll probably end up right back there, I would imagine. A lot of these people, from what I understand, have 30-day non-competes, so they'll be back in a month in a lot of these places. But obviously, we can't discount Bronson Reed here. It was obviously the biggest name cut. Your thoughts on that and the fact... How, how the fuck do you not find anything for this guy to do when he was reportedly on the verge of being called up and they had plans for him? Well, they have to keep Jackson Riker, Grant. They had to keep him, <laughs> so they had to naturally cut... The, I believe the term was the resident thick boy, which if I could sound more white saying that, I would try. But he, <laughs> he, he is somebody where I don't know how well he would have succeeded on the main roster, seeing what happened with Keith Lee. And, yeah, yeah, I you know, agree. And yeah. quickly, you've got to wish you know, Keith Lee a speedy recovery. He seems like he's doing fine. But check out the video on his YouTube if you guys haven't yet. Really scary shit. Mm-hmm. But Bronson Reed at least could have competed for the WWE or Universal Championship. I don't know if he ever would have been the guy. And that's Mm -hmm. nothing against Reed's talent. I think that he would have done very good. I think that as far as firing him, it was bullshit. Yep. And I, if he he apparently tweeted out that he wants Miro, okay, yes, please give me that. Um, and he could find work in New Japan strong. He could wrestle Jeff Cobb in New Japan or oh, team with him. That that would be amazing. I, I'm a big Jeff Cobb guy, so uh, I would love to see that personally. Yeah, I met him a couple times, actually. Really nice guy. Really you, yeah, nice guy. Yeah, I, I became a fan of him after you had met him. I remember when you met him when he was the champion of what was it was... What was he? A he was a TV champion in Ring of Honor. Oh, TV okay, that's what it was. That's what it was. And I met him like right after that because I remember you had told me, "Yeah, I met him, and he was a nice guy." Blah blah blah. He is a very nice guy. So uh, yeah, that sure. would be amazing, though. But Reed is just Reed was the biggest misfire. And no, I'm not saying that because of his size. He was literally the biggest misfire because the only thing I want Reed to maybe do is I think they need. I think he needs to come up with another finisher. He, everybody knows their body better than you know better than somebody looking outside looking in yeah but i just hope that maybe he comes up with something else that takes it easy on his knees because and that splash is impressive the suit or as wade bear says no me it sounds like he's gonna have a you know an aneurysm every time he says it um whenever he hits that it's impressive but it's gonna kill his knees so i just hope he comes up with something else and uses the tsunami splash or whatever he's gonna call it for big matches, like, say, if he is in the Tokyo Dome or if he wrestles for Impact and they have him at, like, say, Bound for Glory or something like that. Because he could go to Impact. He could do some stuff there. Yeah, I think he, he would do the well mis- yeah. He was the biggest fucking misfire in general. Biggest I, fucking misfire. I just, I just don't understand that. For a guy that looked like he was being primed to be the future, whether it be NXT or... Like you said, I don't have a lot of faith that had he gone to the main roster, he would have been super successful. Not that he's not talented, like you said, but the fact that right. given their track record with guys like Keith Lee and other people they've called up over the last year, two, three years, I just, I mean, RJ made the great comparison. He would end up as the Funkasaurus 2.0, and we do not want to become Tyrus of N- <laughs> NWA. Yeah. Uh, we, we, just, we just don't want that, so obviously no, a lot less well, problematic. I mean- they wouldn't, they wouldn't, well, I mean, no, Reed, Reed would make a much better TV champion than Tyrus is. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I would actually like, prefer that, but maybe not with the NWA in their current yeah, state, but, um, it, cur- yeah. cur- Current state, you mean the wasteland, that's basically <laughs> what, and I, I'm sorry, I like some of the talent in the NWA, but good grief, the throwback thing only works so much, they've shit on so much of their and they've got to go off on a brief rant here they shit on so much of their goddamn product they got Tyrus as a TV champion they got Velvet Sky that sounds like she's being held hostage doing commentary do you think and, it's a medical thing because she's always super quiet whenever she I, speaks I've always you wondered know, I, rem- I remember you saying that and I don't know maybe she was just nervous not understand because it's a small studio maybe she didn't want to be too loud but it, it doesn't. It's not even the quietness. It sounds like she literally wants to be anywhere else. And they got Austin <laughs> Idol. It's like it reminds me of that Simpsons meme. Hey, everybody, look! An old man's talking. <laughs> and you got Nick. You got Nick Aldis, who's a great Nick Aldis, nice guy, very good throwback. And then you got Tom Tom Latimer when he's not, you know, allegedly hitting people. He's fine. Um, and you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. He actually did yep. an interview the other day saying he was blaming the fact that he was drunk all the time and all the issues that he had in WWE and even in Impact. I guess he had problems there, too. So take that for whatever it's worth. 
Yeah, so, okay, so maybe don't do, maybe get some help with the loved ones and don't do that. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a disease, but come on. You got to take some personal responsibility at some point. Yeah. Jimmy Uso could use that as a defense. I, I, don't, I don't know what the driving force is behind Jimmy, but hopefully not himself. <laughs> but, and, but anyway, just briefly about the NWA. They have two pay-per-views coming up. You and I talked off the air just before we came on yeah. how they have butchered, butchered, butchered so much stuff. And they have good talent, and they tr- they're trying some stuff, but the Champion Series was a dumpster fire. It was a fucking dumpster fire, it, dude. It really was. And nothing. the matches were fine. The quality of the matches was not the issue. In fact, I would argue that that was some of the best TV match work they've done in a while. But the problem is, is we didn't have a reason to care. It's like, okay, these guys are fighting. They're random people. These women are fighting. They have like they have enough. They don't even have enough women for me to count on all um, all goddamn fingers. Yep. <clears throat> and now they got two pay-per-views coming up. You and I talked. Empower is looking to be pretty good. I don't know how great it's going to be, but at least it's an interesting idea. NWA 73. Okay, what are we going to get? Aldous versus Murdoch 2? Electric Boogaloo? <clears throat> <laughs> are we going to get Murdoch versus, well, Murdoch versus Pope versus Aldous? We might get that. Yeah. Who knows? It, but, yeah, it's, it's impossible to say. It just, it, I review so much stuff, you review so much stuff, it's gotten to the point where with weekly NWA, it's like, okay, why am I watching this? If yeah. there's no incentive to watch outside of maybe, okay, you might get a good promo. Okay, you might get a good match. But then you get just a bunch of stuff where it's like, you see people that shouldn't be in the ring, like Tyrus and others. And, <clears throat> and I like Tim Storm. I do like Tim Storm. He's great on commentary. He's great in the ring. He's a great, hearkening back to the territory days. And also, he, he's a traditionalist, but he's also progressive with his... Uh, he's great. He, he's great to watch, and he's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. But he's straightforward, and he doesn't you know have to say a lot of words, but he's very well-spoken whenever he talks. I like Tim Storm, and I like Joe Galley on commentary. <laughs> There's good yeah. pieces, but no driving force. Back to Reed. Big misfire. Just Huge pretty misfire. pretty much wrap that up. That's all it is. Yeah, Big massive misfire. misfire with Reed. It's so disappointing. And I, when I saw that video, did you see the little tw- uh, the tweet that he put out, the little video about you know thanking the fans and stuff like that? The Oh, the video. Okay, I was going to say, because he put out a tweet initially saying, oh, yeah, and he tagged AEW and Impact and all this other shit. But yes, he put out a video soon after. <coughs> he put out a video today, I saw, but he also put out a video, um, yeah, like right afterward, thanking the fans and kind of yeah. explaining the situation. Yeah, I did see that, yep. And, you know, and he seems like a well-spoken guy. Like, you you interviewed him last year, right? Yes, I talked to him last year, and I talked to him a couple of months ago after he won the North American title. Very nice guy. And I'm sure, you know, and the, he's going to land on his feet. He's going to do some great things. I just, I'm disappointed that they would let somebody like that go. And this is no disrespect to Jeff Hardy, but Jeff Hardy can't move anymore he should be they gotta phase some people out what do you he mean has, Jeff? He, got he, no more words back yeah but he, he, has, he has no more no more words and no more agility or mobility <laughs> um him and him and matt walk the same it's like they're both doing the crab walk without even trying and i know you like matt hardy i'm sorry injuries pile up and everything but you're 100 right though I mean, if, time gets you, if you saw ooh. that six-man tag team match last night listen <laughs> i'm the biggest matt hardy fan you'll find I don't right. know if he needs to be wrestling as much as he has been lately. I think him and AEW is a perfect fit, but I think him is more agree. of a manager, I think, is what needs to happen. He, he wrestles far too often than I think he should at this point. Well, and the big issue is, like, you know, it, yes, he, he's definitely healthier than he was at last year's All Out because he he picked his brain up off the goddamn floor. That oh, was scary. That was, that that was, was a terrible spot. Yeah, that was awful. That was fucking bullshit that they did that. So that was bullshit um but (sighs) people are gonna be able to float around everywhere what are more of the releases leon ruff i believe is one of them yes leon ruff was one of them i'll read off the whole list to you here let me know if there's any of these that really stand out but we had leon ruff also released a few other people that no one would really know who they are zachariah smith uh, I think he was a referee. I think it was somebody. What somebody said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Steven Smith. Yeah, pe- people like that were just referees or performance center people. But the notable names were former North American champion Leon Ruff, Tyler Rust of Diamond Mine was let go. Jake Atlas. He was also very good. Kona Reese. I couldn't give two fucks about. He's been there forever. Um, and Asher Hale and the former 
Uh, Denzel DeJornet, Desmond Troy, whatever. I thought he was very good as well. Oh, and also, obviously, Mercedes Martinez and Bobby Fish. Um, so who yeah. else, your, your thoughts among those as well, those released? I think Leon Ruff would be just fine in New Japan Strong. In fact, actually, I think he'd be a perfect fit there. Yep. Um, he has... I, I want him to take it a little bit easy on the diving. I mean, this is just my opinion as a human being, but watching him do that, it's like, it's like okay, you're going to brain yourself badly, and he has about as much padding as Jack Skeletor, um, or Jack Skeleton, rather. But And I and I like Leon. I'm not knocking him. I mean, he's slight, but he, he has potential to succeed doing stuff in New Japan Strong and even Ring of Honor. They could team him and Cheeseburger up, and Cheeseburger could be the bigger, two, bigger of the two. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good idea, actually which is actually a frightening thought given how small he is. But, um, Leon Ruff is somebody, I'm actually amazed that they found enough stuff for him to do. And I wasn't upset that they gave him the North American Championship because anything to get the title off of Gargano by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, and by the way, it's congratulations to Gargano and Candice on having their upcoming baby that already has more personality than they do put together. <laughs> Direct all your hate towards me and not Graham listeners. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, oh, yeah. no, congratulations to them. Yeah. It's good for them. But ah, Leon is going to find work. I, uh, like I said, New Japan strong stuff like that. He could appear in the NWA, provided that it doesn't just you know go up in flames more than it already has. I like the NWA guys, but I can't help it anymore. Mercedes Martinez is disappointing, and I don't want to hear an ageist thing. It's like, oh, don't no, don't give me the age thing. She, I mean, she's what thirty nine or forty, something like that. She's, I think, oh, I think she already is 40. Let me yeah, see. She might have been, but my point is that she's world-traveled. AEW had her at what? They had her at Revolution in that women's... They did it all out two years ago. So she is currently... Was it all out? Yeah, it was, was she it was all at out? All Out, and then she showed up on Dark. Okay, so she turned 40 last November. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but the thing... The, 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 I mean, this is a whole... We could do all other show about this, but I was discussing this with someone recently. The whole age thing with the women, which has been talked about before, like with Mickey James when she got cut and how... I don't know, when some of these women get past a certain age, they just don't see them as priorities in WWE for whatever reason. Like, once you hit 40, like they, they see you as completely expendable, which I just don't understand because people like Mercedes and Mickey and, you know, Natalia's 39. It's not like she's that much younger. Um, specifically, well, Mickey and Mercedes, I think, are very far more valuable than WWE sees them as. What it is also is it's 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 just how wrestling has kind of ingrained it in us, and I'm guilty of it too. That oh, when they reach a certain age, it can't go anymore. Mercedes can still go for a number of years because of her style. Shayna Baszler's forty-one. I want to say yeah, she's another one that's also around forty-one. And, I mean, she's still on the show, but they're just not doing yeah. anything with her though. Well, she can. Oh, they're doing stuff with her, burying her six feet and then sixteen and then <laughs> okay. twenty feet under. Yeah, I, I guess this should specify. Yeah, but come, but come on, Graham. She she had to sell for the doll. No, more, more accurately, what did you call it the other day, John? Uh, what did I call it? God damn it! What did I call that? What the computer generated yes. bullshit? No. Yes, exactly. That's exactly that's what, what I called it. <laughs> I say so much stuff about wrestling. I actually it's hard to remember my own shit. But no, Mercedes. <laughs> AEW, she could appear in the NWA, have a one-off with Camille. She could do some stuff. That could be good business. She could, Ring of Honor has a burgeoning uh, women's division, in theory. Um, they have some women, but it's just, you know, they're trying to do the women of honor thing, and they have they have some women that can work. Yep. And, you know, they, at one point, they don't still have Angelina Love wrestling there, do they? Uh, they do, actually. I hate to say oh, her. Oh, in the name of all that's fucking holy. <laughs> <laughs> Her and Mandy Leone, who are neither of them are very good at all. Mandy I, at least has enough personality to get by. Angelina Love sounds like a drunk aunt at a wedding trying to hit on somebody. <laughs> yeah, I, I no never see the value that she brings to the division. <laughs> What'd you say? No wonder she fucking blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I just, well, I mean, her and Bill. Anyway, I just... Uh, I. Mercedes is somebody that's absolutely AEW. If AEW is not, you know, I'm not saying throw a shit ton of money at her, but throw a good offer at her. She could help. She could be a wrestler slash coach. Yep. And she could definitely work with uh, teaching some of the women to not dive on their heads. Mm. I'm Red Velvet. Um, <laughs> Red Velvet's very good, but that was a scary dive that she did on Dynamite. Yeah, I just, I don't like her dives. Yeah, that was a very, a couple of months ago. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, well, it was, like against Allie or something like that. 
Yeah, AEW needs to cool it with the dives to begin with. Well, wrestling in general needs to cool it with the dives. Yes. They need to cool it with the dives. Mm-hmm. And uh, New Japan needs to cancel or cool it with the apron spots. They do a lot um, of the apron spots? They do. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and also Kota Ibushi may need to cool it on wrestling for a bit because apparently he contracted some form of pneumonia. Um, after it, I guess it was around the same time or sometime after he had gotten his vaccine. No, that is not an anti-vax thing, guys. <laughs> Get your vaccines, but because these things happen. But he apparently he's like you know he got really I don't want to say disheveled, but he's been off the of shows. He was supposed to face Shingo at Wrestle Grand Slam last month, and he couldn't. They slotted uh, Tanahashi in there, and I love Hiroshi Tanahashi, but. His knees don't love him, mm-hmm. and he's going to shatter soon. But no, the whole point is that Ibushi may be out for a bit. But my point is, about what we were saying about Mercedes, age-wise, and that's an issue with the men and women, there are so many where they know their bodies, they can wrestle, but some are 40 and wrestle like they're 20, and then some are Chris Jericho and wrestle like they're 80 when they're 50. Yes. Yep. My fucking goodness, Mil Mascaris at a uh, New Japan or a Japanese show, they had to be held up on the ropes to do a cross body a few years ago, moved better than Chris Jericho did. Yeah, that Juventud Guerrero match was not that good at all. We RJ and I discussed that last week here on the show. I the mean, Wardlow match was better, but that Juventud match was not good. And that was mostly Jericho. That was not Juventud's fault. I well, I mean, well, also, I mean, Hoovy. Hoovy's very good when he wants to be, but. He, there's a reason why no high-profile company kept him around very long. When mm-hmm. he was, the reason he suddenly disappeared from WCW television is apparently he was in some kind of weird altered state, and that didn't work. Um, mm-hmm. And then the whole Mexicools thing, which let's be perfectly honest, in WWE was only slightly, absolutely influenced by Michael Hayes, and therefore horribly racist. Mm-hmm. Um, let's have Mexicans ride lawnmowers. That'll work. <laughs> so anyway. Oh, man, um, that was awful. Terrible gimmick. Yeah, but, I mean, and the Ho- Hoobie moved well, but it's like that match, it, it just further proved that Tony Khan is a major fan of uh, late 90s, mid to late 90s WCW, which was fine. Except you shouldn't use the same people that were in late 90s WCW. Yeah. Because even Hoobie was 46 and moved well, but would you want to see Hoobie again on TNT? I mean... I wouldn't, mm-hmm. but it was fine for a one-off. But Jericho can't. It, when it comes down to age, it comes down to mileage, really, because Minoru Suzuki moves really well um, as far as how he bumps, and he's in his fifties. Mercedes moves very well. Once she woke up after Zaylee kicked her head off, mm-hmm. that was scary. That was the last time that we saw her, too. That was oh god, that was actually last time we saw her. That was a little bit weird. Um, she. She's going to be fine. Tyler Rust, and I got to be honest, Tyler Rust is very good. I didn't give two shits about Diamond Mine because it's one of like, you know, 50,000 factions that are in wrestling. You and I have talked about that. But you you would think that they wouldn't debut the group if they were just going to. I mean, obviously, there were no plans behind any of these releases, but like, why debut the group if only to fire someone a couple of weeks after they debut? Like, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm not saying he's going to be, he was going to be a game changer from what I understand, knowing what I, you know, from have seen of Tyler Rust, but I just thought that was an incredibly dumb decision because now there's no diamond mine, really. I did like the diamond and the rust line, the Michael Biv- or Mal- 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 yes. Michael, Malcolm Bivens said yeah. about him. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, I said I said a name that went over his head, i.e. everything that goes over his head. <laughs> so that that's mean. I don't get it with Malcolm Bivens. I know that sounds a little bit mean, but... You're, you're not a fan talker. of Malcolm Bivens? It's not that I'm not a fan. I just don't get the appeal. Okay. I think that he's very good on promos, but I'm like, what am I missing here with mm-hmm. him? What am I missing? What am I missing about this hype? <clears throat> um, I don't know. I just think that he's... I. I <laughs> I think that he can do the. I mean, let's be honest. It's a good thing that he's there to talk for Roderick Strong. Yes, Roderick that is, Strong, that is very good. Is. Promos are not his thing. <laughs> he cuts better promos than his wife, which isn't saying much, but <laughs> it is what it is. But Tyler Rust, he's a guy. He's a good hand that they could have in some companies. But do I see him being a game changer? No. Do I feel bad for him losing his job? Absolutely. Yeah. And. That Desmond, Desmond Troy, that 
Dujarnay or whatever I think was his original name. Dujarnay, yep. Dujarnay. I remember when I first saw him like a couple times and he was under that name and everything and then he disappeared. I was like, okay, there's something here. Like, he's not somebody that I'm going to say is going to be a champion, but he's got good work. He's got a good work ethic. He's got mm-hmm. some good fire. He's somebody, I think, with a little more seasoning as far as, like, on another stage. I think he'll be fine. Um, Bobby Fish, I think that tweet, or I think that post injured him again because he spent almost as much time on the injured list as he spent as part of Undisputed Era. That is that is accurate. I hate to say it, but that is true. Well, I mean, you know, he's, a good, he's a good worker, but it's like he also, he's one of those guys that looks or that is older than he looks. Yes. And under... Of all the people in the Undisputed Era, and this is nothing against Bobby as a, as a worker, he was the weakest. Mm-hmm. Because he was the one that was most expendable. He was like you know, Lex Luger and the Four Horsemen. or Yeah, I um, mean, he, he was never getting called up and being pushed, let's put it that way. Well, I mean, he was being he, he was pushed out the door. So I, I was but, literally... But, but was I, it, get, I get what you're... Sorry, I was going to say the exact you. same thing, yeah. Bobby Fish, though, Ring of Honor, obviously... It's yeah, impact. that would make the most sense. Yeah, or impact. I wouldn't mind seeing Bobby Fish and Mike Bennett team up. Yeah, yeah. Mike Bennett's somebody that benefited the most from being released. Yeah. Um, he had some great matches on Primetime Live. He's done some great shit in the uh, in, in Ring of Honor. What I've seen, he's a great follow on Twitter. He's a great motivational guy. Yes, I'm, I'm a Mike and Bennett he, fan. Yeah, and he got clean. So I mean, good for him. But because uh, that's tough to do. I mean. But he, Bobby Fish, what was, let's see, the rest of the list. Um, Jake Atlas, any thoughts on him before Atlas, I let you go? You know, Atlas was disappointing because I thought they really could have used him as a, it, this sounds weird saying beacon of hope, but as far as being an openly gay athlete, you and I were talking off the air about Sonny Kiss. Atlas is a better wrestler than Sonny Kiss. That's not to say Sonny Kiss isn't a very good athlete. It's about the presentation. They would feature Atlas and then he would be gone. Mm-hmm. They would feature Atlas and then he'd be gone. They had him and Mercedes, um, you know, LGBTQ-friendly um, wrestler. Well, it sounds weird to say friendly wrestler, but you get my point. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Wrestling. What the fuck did they wrestle? I don't even remember who they oh, were. Oh, um, it was Zia Lee and Boa, right? You know, I think it might have been, actually. I think it might, I think it might have been. I always, I always tune out whenever Boa wrestles because <laughs> unless it's, you know, uh, unless it's a bad asylum movie and it's uh, Piranaconda versus, like, you know, Boa or whatever, I don't really care. But no, it, plus the grudge ghost. I don't need to see a weird painted up lady blowing smoke. But anyway, no, yeah. that was it. Yeah, and then that, that was for, you know, Gay Pride Month or Pride Month. Yes. That was during that. And then that was it. And they fired him. That was the last time we saw Jake Atlas, I think. That was Wasn't the that last, last time? He may have popped up since then, but I'm pretty sure that was the last that we saw of both of them on NXT. Jake Atlas was totally on 205 Live like a week or two ago, but it is pretty fucked up. They're like, hey, we'll use you for Pride Month and all this other shit, and then we'll fucking fire you. I mean, that's just that's just shitty, man. That's terrible. Jake, Jake was apparently an indie show that I wasn't able to go to before he signed with WWE, which, you know, if he pops up at any of those, if I'm there, I'll make sure shake it because i think jake atlas is a nice guy and i think he's a very good athlete i love the rope walk ddt thing that he does um it's a little you know a little fancy a little flippy and maybe a little video game like i mean you know and i hate to sound like that old wrestling fan but i kind of am but he does it well he is very good in the ring and he is somebody that could be featured well New Japan strong. I don't know how well he'd fit in the NWA, given Billy Corgan's views. Um, and if you know, you know, folks. But there's a lot. Jake Atlas has a lot of potential. He's very good. Yeah. Very, very good. They're all very good. I think there's a lot of potential among all of them. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad we were able to talk about this now, John. Uh, you know, talk about all the releases. We, we you know, spoke last week and said that we were going to be able to break it down, hopefully. And I'm glad we were able to get this done because we've been wanting to uh, – have you here on the show for a while, so I'm, I'm glad we was able to get you on. And We only talked briefly here on the show, but we spoke for like two hours on the phone before we even yeah, got started here. It was a, in, in retrospect, maybe the next time what we should do is probably probably cut that nap and do something. <laughs> but yeah, the only reason, guys, is this radio show is a little bit shorter and the off-screen, off-air conversation was so much longer is 
some boys need to work. Um, <laughs> Graham's got a whole lot of work that he's doing and everything. What what was it? Over a hundred some odd interviews you've done. Yes, yes. We've we've both been very busy. You as well, man. I forgot to say it at the start here, and it's been a while since we had you on. We've had you on so many times, and I've said it a bunch. I say it every week on hashtag AskGSM. But before I let you go, mention all the stuff that you know that you've been doing on your channel and where people can find you. Honestly, obviously, uh, real honesty with John Rutland is what people can search up to uh, find your channel. I mean, yeah, just real honesty with John Rutland on um, YouTube. I do want to warn you right now that if you want to be an anti-vax or if you want to be somebody that's going <laughs> to not like my opinions on Jericho and others, you probably aren't going to enjoy my videos because that's why it's real honesty. I will take every shot I can because I don't give a shit. But <laughs> you can find me on there. I have posted, I mean, God forbid, I posted 865 videos last year. That's like, yeah. what, and if you do the math, what is it, two and a half a day, something like that? That's about three? two, and there were days where I took breaks, so there were some yeah. times where it's like I was recording four or five videos a day, and then I would take a break, but I did the WCW rewatch of last year, WCW, which, I, how I have any sanity left, I have no idea. I'm currently rewatching the Invasion Angle, which is a challenge. I'm, I've been rewatching, or I've been doing some retro stuff and everything, and I review Raw, NXT, SmackDown, I reviewed Dark Elevation, dark, despite when they're two hours, God forbid. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. And we got Rampage coming up, too, on Friday. Rampage, you know, and they really want this to work, and I'm just going to say right now before I finish the plugs, if CM Punk doesn't show up in some capacity next week, it will be the great United Fan Fire is what it's going to be because they <laughs> are going to burn that arena. They will burn that to the ground. They'll burn the whole city to the ground, like uh, you know, nothing that Chicago wasn't already familiar with. But still, it's. I it's, mean, this is this is true. The great, the the, the great ungrateful uh, Chicago fan fire. But there, <laughs> you can find me on there. I post a ton of content. I do some movie reviews. I've kind of slacked on that stuff mainly because a lot of movies are kind of absolutely shit. I'm just going to mention <laughs> Space Jam: A New Legacy for no reason. Yeah. But. I deleted my Instagram last year because, God forbid, it got so freaking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. it, well, no, it just got to the point where the interface was so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Twitter, at Reborn again, R-E-B-O-U-R-N-E again. Find me there. Um, absolutely check out my videos once you're done listening to this stuff and checking out Graham's stuff. But, yeah, plenty of content coming up. And we got SummerSlam coming up in a bit. Um and we got, uh, what, SummerSlam Saturday the 21st and then TakeOver Sunday the yeah. 22nd. Yeah. And, you know, it, it it will not be another year before I'm back out on the show. I guarantee you guys that. But, yeah, just check out Grand stuff. Check out my stuff. And maybe WWE could cool it on releasing people yeah. and not hoard so much talent so they don't have to release. So yeah, many exactly. People. That's yeah. the problem. They hoarded so many people like WCW did in the late 90s. Hey, we're making a ton of money, but let's release people because we're going to sell to NBC Universal. They don't sell the company <laughs> give, at this point. They don't give a shit. I don't know. Well, I don't know what they're doing if they don't sell. If they don't sell the company, yeah. Because Vince McMahon's looking exactly like the Firefly Funhouse puppet. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I mean, not looking good. He's uh, he, he's quite up there now. I think he's celebrating a birthday very soon. Actually, what is he turning? Seventy-seven. Holy shit! Yeah, seventy-six. Oh 76, my god! Doesn't look a day over one hundred and two though. <laughs> well, that's his best. That's about the age of his mother, oddly enough. I was going to say, yeah, she's still, alive. she's still kicking, yeah. Holy shit. This guy's going to be around for a long time, which means he's going to be running this company for a long time, which means we're going to have a lot more to complain about for a long time and a lot more to rant about, a lot more reasons, John, to have you here on the show to help me break down all this stuff. And like you said, hopefully it's not another year before I have you here on again to break down whatever else is going on in the world of wrestling, whether it be the death of the NWA again or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> there's a lot the, of things the to discuss. The poking of the, of the horse corpse. No, um, if at the end of the year, Graham, it's like, I mean, this is just a plug. If at the end of the year you need to do a reflection stuff, we could talk about best matches or whatever, depending on what your schedule is. Cause I ain't got, I, I got, I got lists of shit to do and everything for myself, but yeah, you, yeah. That'd be a good time to do it, actually. Let's plan on that tentatively around December, January, break down the best of, the worst of all these companies and stuff that we kind of talked about briefly here today. 
um, and, and kind of elaborate more and more of the topics that we discussed even before. Like, I feel like some of the content that we covered even before we went live here, I could have just hit the record button at that point and we could have just included it here on the show. So I'll probably do that next. And that was my own bad. But John, it's always oh, good. Oh, no, have... it's all right. It was a good conversation. But oh, absolutely. Next, sometimes the unedited stuff's even better. <laughs> it definitely is sometimes. I totally agree with that. But like I said, people could check you out on YouTube, as you said, Real Honesty with John Rutland. People could search that up, find you there, subscribe there. You do great work. Twitter as well has been a constant for you. That's where we've uh, you know been friends ever since for almost a decade now, which is fucking crazy. At Reborn it has been a long. Where has the time gone? I know. Holy shit! I <laughs> it's crazy, God man. Forbid. Time flies, and uh, it's always good stuff. Always great talking to you, man. And uh, Indeed. yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate. It. Look forward to the next one. Absolutely, Graham. You take care, okay? Thanks, John. You too. I'll talk to you soon, man. And you guys can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, uh, Google Podcast, and Podbean. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode every single Thursday. And of course, next week here on the show with Mr. Marceau, the annual SummerSlam prediction panel. Not only talking about SummerSlam, but also NXT TakeOver 36 that Sunday. It's a stack show. You guys are not going to want to miss it. Thanks again to Nikki and to John for joining here for today's show. Have a great one, guys. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road.